Welcome, everybody. It is episode 14 of the Fantasy Alarm Hockey Podcast. As always, uh, I am Andrew Dewhurst, and I am joined by my esteemed colleague, Chris Murray. How are you doing tonight, Chris? Not too bad. Not too bad, Andrew. Well, uh, it was one of the more predictable weeks in hockey. Uh, I think if I just looked at the stats, we would probably continue to wax poetically about... Uh, Connor Dry or Connor Drysaddle, Connor McDavid and Leon Drysaddle, uh, they led the week in points. No big surprise when uh, essentially uh, Edmonton fed Ottawa their lunch two or three times over. Uh, so a couple things we're going to get into here. Um, the first one is: Can you see Buffalo's dumpster fire burning from your house? Because I'm pretty sure I can see it burning from mine. Uh, the Sabres continue to struggle. Eichel's now out uh, long-term with a apparent neck issue. Um, I don't know if that's a result of just, like, watching people go by and, like, getting some whiplash or, or what's going on there. But um, uh, Buffalo, at this point in time, might have the best roster amongst, easily amongst, like, the worst teams in the league. It's... It's surprising to see just how terrible they can be with the players that they've assembled here. And, um, I mean, Jack Eichel being out, right, he's dealing with some type of neck injury, I'm assuming. Rolf Kruger wouldn't say that's what it is. He just said that he's going to be out a while. <laughs> so that obviously doesn't help this team in any way, right? They're, they're nowhere near a playoff spot. They shouldn't be near a playoff spot they haven't played well they're at the bottom of their division they're getting worse every day to me it just seems like a perfect scenario here for the buffalo sabers to start liquidating any asset they can get and with covid being around and not being sure you know if players how long they need to quarantine if they are going into canada and whatnot so there was talk about maybe you know certain players would get vaccinated if they can you know have their quarantine stay be a little bit less um, if the NHL could try to, or at least try to advocate to the Canadian government, because let's face it, in the United States, it doesn't make a difference, right? Where you go, you can just play the next day, basically. Uh, but players coming into Canada, right, if they do need to quarantine to try to get those days down from anything less than 14 would kind of be welcome for them. But I, I don't think that's going to happen here uh, sh short term. And again, the question becomes, what do you do with players like, you know, Taylor Hall, who's got a one-year deal, Eric Stahl on the other side. I, I think Buffalo should listen to any offer that they can get for their bottom six, right? If, if you get, I don't know, peanuts and, I don't know, maybe a large soda, you trade them and just get rid of them. But, I mean, how many players on this team are really, you know, untouchable per se? I, I, I wouldn't say anybody. You could maybe put Rosmus Dahlin in that conversation if you want to keep him and he's still a kid maybe you want to do, do the same thing with victor olsen but the rest of that lineup to me just i mean get what you can get for them they're they're terrible and it's it's not getting better it was also quite interesting i think to just not interesting but to listen to gary bettman kind of talk about how um there is no tanking in the NHL, and I don't think that's true per se. I, I, I just think teams kind of tank on their own here, and I mean, Buff Buffalo doesn't have to try really hard to tank, do they, right? They just got to kind of exist, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, 
Buffalo's been really hurt by a by the COVID schedule. I think uh, I don't think they would be this bad if they were one still playing in their regular division, getting to play uh, Ottawa, and uh, uh, I think it really just Ottawa is probably the, easily the. Uh, I want to usually you'd say the cream for the top. I'm not sure what you'd call the bottom, but uh, the dog water, if you will. Uh, so, I mean, I think that hurts them not getting to play other bad teams across the league where they would probably stand a chance to beat up on those teams, gain some confidence, isn't helping. Um, so, I mean, obviously all of that. Jack Eichel forgetting how to score goals hasn't helped. Uh, Taylor Hall continuing to see this strange uh, post-heart trophy downswing isn't helping them. So... Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think even like Rasmus Dahlin would be potentially capable of being moved here. Uh, and I think if I was Dahlin, I'd be probably happy to get moved someplace else. Um, Getting yourself out of Buffalo is never a bad idea. <laughs> and it's kind of interesting because for Buffalo, specifically Eichel and Hall, like they haven't been terrible per se, right? If you, you look yeah. at Jack Eichel, it's 18 points in 21 games. Not bad. But it's the fact that these players are not scoring goals. And right. I mean, they need to score goals, right? That's like that's how this team gets better. There's no reason that I mean Curtis Lazar should have the same amount of goals as Eichel and Hall combined, right? That's kind of the problem here. And again, we've talked about it. Their power play has been good, so when they get there, they know what to do. But it's always, I mean, it just seems to be moving through Victor Olsson here. And I mean, give credit to Sam Reinhardt. Sam Reinhardt's been pretty decent as well, but. For this team, just like defensively, like I mean, I feel bad for Dalin. He's, he's got to play the best players on the other side. He's if you care about the stat, he's a minus twenty-four, right? So he's clearly when he's on the ice, other teams are scoring goals, and it's unfair to him because I mean, what do you want him to do here, kind of, right? Yeah. Um, and if Buffalo does entertain the idea of moving Jack Eichel, like what are you going to get, or yeah, what are you going to ask, right? Like well, you have to ask the other team. Like you're looking, you're you're not looking for prospects here. I would say you're looking for, I mean, an, an established NHL player. And how many teams are going to be willing to give up that during the season? Not not very many. So to me, I, I think it's a deal that they maybe entertain in the offseason, which is already a bad idea to entertain it because how many elite top line centermen are there in the NHL that are available? None, right? Outside of Eichel, if that becomes available, but. I, man, it's tough looking at this team. It's really tough. And you have those contracts like we know of. I mean, you're not moving Kyle Oposo. You're not moving Jeff Skinner. Those guys are locked into your team here, whether you like it or not. So they have money tied up in players that nobody's taking. And look, you have a $9 million player on your team who's got two points. Like, it's not getting better. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's only so much to be said. Um, one other thing I will note, because I, I literally learned this today, is that uh, apparently, uh, and I wonder if we'll see this happening with some of these trades, is that uh, if you have been vaccinated, but you drive from the U.S. into Canada, uh, the rules are different than if you've flown in. Uh, apparently, like you can, if you have your vaccine papers with you, you actually don't have to go in quarantine. So uh, Buffalo's perfect. They can literally, they could drive right into Canada to go and then drive to so Toronto. You're, so you're starting the Jack Eichel to Toronto rumors now, right? Well, Jack Eichel to Toronto to catch a plane to wherever else he might go, <laughs> possibly. 
But uh, <laughs> uh, I did learn that tonight. So I, I wonder if we'll see some of that happen where like teams are like players are like flying to Seattle, Detroit, Buffalo, uh, and then like crossing the borders uh, over through a car and then hopping on planes to get to where they need to be. Um, which is just a really odd side note. I was really surprised to learn that. Um, so, I mean, that's that's really, I think, the story that we haven't talked that much about. We talked a little bit about it last week. Uh, also this week, uh, I've started making updates to our points rankings um, for, for March. So the, the forwards are up. Uh, defense will probably go up tonight. I'll get to goalies tomorrow. Um, I'm going to guess that if I had to ask you to guess the top four players in these rankings, you could do it. Uh, do you think you can name the top four players, Chris? Are you saying, okay, well, I'll, I'll tell you who it's not. It's not Jeff Skinner, right? We can agree right. on that, yes. right? Okay, so we That's can, right. we'll, we'll just eliminate him. I would, for March, I would, I mean, Connor so McDavid and Leon. March. Right, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are there. Yeah, uh, that seems like a pretty easy um, conversation. I would think Patrick Kane is in there as well. Yeah, he's at four. He's at four. Who am I missing at three here? It must be Austin Matthews. It is indeed. There yes. we go. You're right. That wasn't hard. Yeah, they've so that's been static through through the first couple months of the season. We're halfway through. Those those four have not moved. Uh, Mitch Marner hasn't moved either. He's at five. Um. The rest of it's had been fairly fluid, though. So we see uh, right now Barkov coming in at six, Alex Debrinket coming at seven, uh, Philip Forsberg at eight, Anze Kopitar at nine, and Mark Scheifele at ten. Wow, Philip Forsberg. We almost Philip forget Forsberg. that Nashville has a hockey team. Uh, yeah, you almost forget that somebody actually scores there because it's otherwise they're completely unwatchable. Nashville's in a mess too. Like I updated the injury report earlier in the week there, and yeah. <laughs> it, it's not it's not getting better for them. They, here's what they have done, Nashville. They have put Philip Forsberg, Ryan Johansson, and Victor Arvidsson together because those are your three best players. If you're going to go down swinging, might as well go down with your best line. And then they just whoever else plays on that team, it doesn't really matter, right? You just put them together and do it. And defensively, this team also has a ton of holes here, right? Like Matthias Ekholm is just sitting here trying to just exist, right? And yep. it's not good, right? When you, right, like Yossi's out of the lineup. This looks like it's going to be kind of a a long procedure here. Matt Duchesne's also out of the lineup. I don't think that changes anything. He hasn't been good. Ryan Ellis is still out for a while. Yossi Saros as well is out, but I think that probably helps him more than anything here. The key part here is obviously Roman Yossi, right? Because yeah. this team, at least, they, I mean, they struggle offensively, but at least you can say, well, you know, defensively they have some players who can do things. And in this case now, they have two of the three uh, pillars, at, at least in my opinion, out of the lineup here. And look, I'm not looking for, you know, Alex Carrier and Ben Harper and Matt Benning to do anything. And to be honest, I have no idea who the other two defensemen around this team and I mean who cares really right it doesn't it doesn't make a difference for me but it's 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 nice to see Philip Forsberg there because he's a I think he's a good player he does a lot of things well it's just he plays in Nashville and this team can't generate offense or at least they don't know how to do it yeah well having no center on your roster is often a quick way to not generate offensive chances um 
I think they have probably the the worst one-two center punch in the NHL. And I'm saying this knowing full well that the Montreal Canadiens have Philip Deneau in the top six. Say, have you seen Ottawa's Senators? Like Central. I mean, look, but like <laughs> Ottawa, yeah, but Ottawa's not good, right? Like nobody's right. sitting here going, oh, Ottawa doesn't have any center. Right, it doesn't yeah. matter, right? True. It doesn't matter who's centering there. But uh, shout out, by the way, to Drake Batherson. I didn't play him tonight in DFS, and obviously he scored goals, so shout out to him. Um, but yeah, looking at Ottawa, you're like, okay, well, it doesn't matter. And Josh Norris and Chris Tierney don't really cost you a bunch, right? When you're looking yeah. at Matt Duchesne and you're looking at Ryan Johansson, <laughs> like, let's not forget, a couple of years ago, like, Seth Jones and Ryan Johansson, that was a one-for-one deal. And, yeah. you know, Seth Jones is still pretty good there. He's not terrible. He's not tearing up the league, but... I mean, he's playing with torts, so defense kind of first here. And Ryan Johansson is just, like, he's he's useless. He's absolutely useless. Matt Duchesne is useless, but, I mean, it's Matt Duchesne here, right? He's kind of been bouncing around a little bit here and, you know, good on Ottawa for being able. Like, Ottawa ended up trading uh, – no, not Ottawa, sorry. Uh, Colorado ended up trading Matt Duchesne out when he wanted out of Colorado. And I think the piece coming back that was super important there was uh, Sam Gerrard. So that worked out well, but – you have Duchesne with eight points, right? He's got three goals. Uh, they got more than Sam Gerrard. They also got Ottawa's first in that deal. So yes. they got Sam Gerrard and uh, the I think was the fourth overall pick, which was uh, like Bowen Byram. Bowen Byram. Okay, fine. There, we'll give him. But again, did they? I mean, they got pieces out of it from Matt Duchesne, yeah. which is pretty nice. Um, it's kind of funny that Matt Duchesne here ends up in Nashville anyways, right? Yeah, but I mean Ryan Johansson doesn't take shots. We know this. It's, it shouldn't surprise um, anybody to watch him just try to do things. He's got 32 shots on the season. That's not really going to do anything for anybody here. His shooting percentage is low every year because I mean it would be this again. Look, I, they have a lot of money tied up in two players, and the rest of their lineup here is not. Not really good. Philip Forsberg again is the exception. He's got 27 points, 28 games. Yeah, he's got 10 goals. Like he's he's doing stuff here, right? He's got 10. Like Carl Yankrock is second on this team. He's got six. Like that's the problem when you look at this team because you look at their top five, right? Matthias Ekholm is in by no means an offensive defenseman. He's tied for fifth here with Colton Sissons on the team with four goals. So again, lots of problems with this team here, offensive challenged is probably the right word for this team and hey I maybe Nashville entertains the idea talking about trades earlier maybe they entertain the idea of moving Philip Forsberg maybe Philip Forsberg wants out of Nashville as well who knows yeah I mean I'd heard a crate like <laughs> obviously uh sometimes I hear has he been news. traded for Nylander yet yeah that, that was the one I was getting there you like, go of course sometimes when... being close to the Toronto market means that you hear some crazy trades yeah. I mean that is one of them the number of rumors on Twitter about where William ne- I, th- I think Nylander has been traded to at least thirty teams this oh, season. Hypothetically, thirty-three now. Like he's already been traded to Seattle, and they don't even have a roster. Yet. <laughs> and then, and then Seattle ships him back to Toronto. Like he's been, he's been. I don't know why. I mean, Willie Nylander. I think he's pretty good. I, I think he's just the odd man out, and his contract's <laughs> the most favorable. And I don't know what he's done, man, to the well, Toronto like, media, but they just. Like, he's the first guy. When you hear about any player being available, Jack Eichel's available. Okay, well, let's trade Willie Nylander plus, you know, but it starts with Nylander. 
Yeah, we'll give you uh, John Tavares and William Nylander for for Jack Eichel, right? That'll that'll Correct. happen, Correct. right, everybody? We only take good chunk contracts, and you only take the bad ones. That's that's how these deals will work. Uh, yeah, I don't know what what exactly the deal is there with William Nylander. Um, usually, you want to keep favorable contracts, not trade them. Um, but I mean, like, he is actually coming in at, at forty in, in these like top top ninety nine players in, in points rank in points. He's like he's got in, twelve goals this season, man. Yeah, he's he ahead. Him, he is ahead of Alexander Ovechkin and David Pasternak. I mean, Pasta was hurt, so we'll give. Oh well, yeah, and Ovechkin missed like two weeks worth of games. Right, because you know. COVID. But, uh, but like you're, he's realistically in like he's what two behind Stamkos, three behind Aho. Like that's. Yeah, like he's doing pretty well. By the way, he's 24 <laughs> as well. Like, you know, that's that's wild. I also found out, did you know, Willie Nealon, fun fact, was actually born in Canada. Yeah, well, because his dad was a was an NHL player, Michael Nylander, I believe. Yeah, I didn't uh, know. His dad was also apparently notorious uh, for... Was his dad traded out of Toronto as well? Or, or is it just... Yeah. Who knows at this <laughs> point? Who knows, really? Uh, apparently his dad was also really difficult to negotiate with. And apparently that there were teams, cons- there was like, that was also something during that negotiation. Cause, uh, when Nylander was an RFA of like, cause it took, I think he didn't get signed until they were into the season as like, yeah, they were, they were issue. deep. Like that went up to the 11th hour where they needed to sign him before. Like he held out a while here. Yeah. And he got like, he got a really good contract out of this. So I think he um, wanted to get paid as, or at least I guess in his mind, he wanted to get paid a little bit like Matthews and Marner. And I don't think he's the same uh, type of player as those two are, right? Then again, I mean, Toronto's invested a lot of money in two players here. And then they brought in uh, John Tavares and he's yeah. still got a lot of money tied up in him. So, I mean, it's it's quite crazy to see just how much money is tied up into the three players here, right? You're talking about close to 13%. Just a little bit over 13 for Matthews of your cap, right? Uh, for Marner and Matthews, I think those deals, they probably age well just because, you know, salary cap's going to go up here. Uh, players are going to make someday. more money. Someday. Yeah, some. It's going to go up. Not in the yeah. next three years, though. Well, I mean, look, the, the NHL did sign their new deal with ESPN, right? So I expect the players to fully get on board here at some point and say, hey, uh, like, we want a little bit of that money here. And, and they'll get it right. Like it's part, it's revenue. It's part of the calculation that goes in. Uh, somewhat will depend on the structure, but I mean, but they've also think, signed their new CBA deal for a while now, right? And I mean, yeah. they're giving back the escrow here. Owners who again at the beginning of the year were panicking about money, yeah. get a nice new rich deal with ESPN, and all of a sudden we don't talk about that anymore because you know, <laughs> make money. yeah. Well, and there's still more money to come there because there's still a yeah. second deal there that's going to get made because uh, it sounds like they're abolishing uh nhl.tv in the u.s and espn plus will carry Who i think 100 NHL games nhl tv like they have like nhl tv is the worst product that's out there to watch hockey it's it's not user-friendly it's not great crashes and everything like on espn plus makes sense right i think they could i think espn plus maybe wants to 
streaming rights to it as well, right? So they can yeah. kind of sell that package as well. Well, they are, yeah. Yeah, they are getting those streaming rights. It sounds like they're also going to stream on Hulu. Uh, so suddenly, like, the NHL is going to become super available in the U.S., right? Which because is about time, right? Like, <laughs> welcome to the 21st century <laughs> NHL. Like, you have baseball streaming games on YouTube. But when it comes to the NHL, you're like, where do I find this? Like, who has this package? Like, what? I just, just it's so bad in the States, like, trying to access hockey. It's so hard. So good for the NHL for getting that. But all this, to be, again, how does this affect the Leafs is, I mean, I think Willie Nylander has the best deal of all those players here. I think he's got the potential to probably score 40 goals in a lineup that's absolutely loaded with skill. He plays with John Tavares, who Tavares seems to be slowing down here a little bit, and he's still got four years on his deal after this season. So that's going to be a contract that's going to age perfectly uh, yes. moving forward here, right? Yeah, that's the ideal situation, right? Where, uh, you know, players start to slow down as they move into their 30s, right. but you're still paying them $10 million. But you're year. still paying them a whole bunch of money, right? Yeah. Jake Muzzin's got a whole <laughs> bunch of money tied to his deal as well. Uh, it's not much, but again, you're spending $5.6 million on a defenseman who's not getting any younger. Uh, Morgan Riley's got one year left on his deal after this season. He's entering, I would guess, his prime's 28 here. He's probably going to want a little bit more money, but you've tied up so much in TJ Brody as well that, I mean, who knows what's going to happen here. And you got one year left on Freddie Anderson, right? He, yeah. He comes to UFA. And Freddie Anderson is not young anymore. And if he's going to continue to put up numbers like he is, like he's going to trick the Leafs front office into trying to give him more money. So it's going to be well, interesting to see how they tackle that problem now. Yeah, it's not going to matter, right? Like there's no way they can re-sign Freddie Anderson. Um, I just don't see how they that have, can be. I mean, do they have a goalie in the system? Well, they did just acquire uh, a name I'm not going to try to pronounce out of Columbus. Um, Jack Campbell has played well when he's not hurt, which is hardly ever. Um, but like, where are you going to find six million dollars in this roster, right? Like, you're going like unless you're going to trade Nylander for picks and prospects, um, there's not a lot of places to go, right? Like, you, Zach Hyman's going to need more money. He's a he's going to be a UFA. Um, so he's going to probably end up being left off the island um yeah like you gotta fill up this roster one way or another and it's that's not true. gonna be easy and it's that's what you said right like it's not gonna be something that they can easily do at that point don't forget they're still paying some money on phil kessel deal so they can yes. get them out of toronto so that's i mean <laughs> wild absolutely wild here right like they like they have a lot of money tied up this season and a lot of players and at some point you're going to have to decide what you do you, you can't go into the season next season let's say everything stays as pat here okay you, you can't go into the season with jack campbell and michael hutchinson as your one-two goaltending like unless you play all of canada again in which case you might get away with it but like they don't have the money yeah. to sign Freddie Anderson because he's probably going to want a little bit of money. And again, maybe he tricks the least front office or maybe he tricks Detroit into giving him a boatload of money, which is fine. It'll only prove my point that teams, you know, sign terrible goalies and they only care about the wins and the losses here. And again, don't forget, you got a whole bunch of those like bottom end UFAs, right? So you're talking about Jimmy VC, Jason Spezza, yeah. Joe Thorne. These players are on, I mean, league minimums, I guess, in here, $700,000 deals. Yeah. Like, 
you're going to need to convince them as well. Specifically, you're going to have to convince Jimmy VC to do that again. And he's 27, right? So, like you said, Zach Hyman is going to want a little bit more money. He's a UFA. If you start letting some of these bottom end players go, like you got to replace them with good bottom players. And I think specifically, I mean, VC, Spezza, and Boyd, they've been a really good fourth line for the Leafs here. Like Jason yeah. Spezza is doing stuff. Joe Thornton's alive, so that's good. He's but, doing stuff when he plays. Yeah, like, I mean, well, I mean, I hope so. He's playing with Matthews and Marner, right? So yeah. when you're playing with the team's two best players, you're by default. Like, if I played with Marner and Matthews, I'd be good too, right? Like, they'd carry me to where I need to be here. But the Leafs, again, the Leafs have a lot of money tied up and a whole bunch of players here. And I think moving Nylander is not the player you're trying to move. You're going to try to move who? Tavares or Marner? Those are rich deals that... I mean, those you can't move Tavares. I don't think anyone's going to take the eleven million. Nobody's going to take it. But I mean, look, teams, teams with cap space who can take all. Like, look at look at what the Leafs had to do to move uh, Patrick Marleau out. Right? It cost them a first round pick, literally, for another team to just take him on and then just say, okay, well, we're pleased. Like to just buy him out. That's basically what Carolina did because he was like, I'm not going to play here. So, again, is some team willing to take on like? Again, let's talk about Tavares for a moment. He's not a terrible player. He's just, no. I mean, he's got a bad contract. So, I mean, do the Leafs have to pay a pick to get rid of him? No, like, I think oh. it, I think it's a situation where they probably have to take a lesser player in return, right? Like another team, yeah, like that can contend, right? Who had I don't know who this team would be, right? Just theoretically. If you could take like back a seven million dollar player or an eight million dollar player uh, in return for Tavares, you would do that. That would make sense. Yeah, so Jeff Skinner. <laughs> well, except Skinner makes the same amount of money, right? Isn't Skinner at eleven million? He's at nine. Is this? I have no idea. Oh yeah, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how they circumvent the cap on this one. That's all I'm yeah. saying. Like, I don't know how they do it, but it's yeah, not going least- good. The Leafs have uh, 25 players signed for next year at, for a total of $63 million. So they're going to have $12.5 million to fill out the final eight players on their roster, which includes a goalie. Yeah, it's not It's it's not good, right? It's not good. Yeah. And yeah. that's not counting, you know, potential uh, performance bonuses and stuff like that, all those other stuff that, you know, cat friendly counts for us and whatnot. It's not going to be easy. That's for sure. They have to find something that yeah. works. Yeah, Dubas is going to have to find a couple rabbits to pull out of a few hats. So, um, other things I will note, I, I think are of note here. Um, Nathan McKinnon, 29th. Man, you're like yeah. Nathan McKinnon was a lock top two, three pick. In some cases, he was getting, I think, in points leagues or no categories leagues, he was going over, uh, he was going ahead of McDavid and Dreisaitl. Uh, but he was going in that top three no later than four, I would think, mm-hmm. all the way down to 29th. Uh, he is still over a point per game. Uh, it's just he's missed time, and this is. Right now, it's starting to be a bit of a growing trend for, for McKinnon. I don't know how much of one anyone should be concerned about, but, I mean, like, he missed time right as COVID hit last year. Uh, he was scheduled, I think, to miss, like, a couple of months and probably would have missed the start of the playoffs. 
Um, but the layoff. So here's the problem for Nathan McKinnon, right? I think, look, if, if somebody's willing to sell him right now in fantasy hockey, like you need to, like, you need to get on the phone and can, and be like, Hey, what do you want? Like, what is it you need? Right. This is a player who can score 40 goals in a season. McKinnon is like, he's, he's really, really good. Right. He plays with Ratnan. He plays with Landis sometimes as well. And look, his, his seven goals obviously don't tickle anybody's fantasy here. Right. And, statistically looking at it right he's shooting 6.6 percent which yep. is way below Ooh. which is below his career now even as a career shooter he's what almost 10 percent yeah but he shoots the puck over 315 times like he had last season and again that season didn't finish but he had 318 shots at the 69 game mark yeah if you take the year before that he had 365 like, that's a lot of rubber that he's firing on net here. So, right now, I think his pace is not there for shots on goal. And that's interesting as well. Because, again, their division is not, you know, super tough here. Let's, like, let's not kid anybody. Yeah, some teams are playing well. Shout out to the Minnesota Wild for doing good things here. But, I mean, Anaheim is still part of that division here. The Kings have looked really bad of late. Like, they can't generate any offense they lost again to colorado today and colorado just absolutely just spanked them by just throwing pucks on goal here so i think over the long run he's going to balance out per se shooting wise i think his shooting percentage is going to come up here a little bit and again take this into consideration he's not picking up any power play points here he's got two power play goals on the season right in the last three seasons he's scored 12 goals on the power play he also only has eight total power play points so the power play here is not kind of not working in in a way for McKinnon. And again, look, he's he's consistently putting up points, which I think is what you want to see out of Nathan McKinnon. But you want to see the shot volume take on, right? Like he had 10 shots on goal against Arizona, which is now, again, I'm not expecting him to get 10 shots every night, but I want to see him flirt with the DraftKings shot. Volume. Five, yeah. Right. All the time. Yeah, like he's a five, six shot kind of player, kind of like what we expect from Max Pacioretty on a regular basis here, yep. right? I'm not expecting, again, 10 is kind of, you know, out there. He played a lot and he did a lot of good things, but I don't, I'm not, I'm not concerned about Nathan McKinnon and his goal scoring because he's still putting up the points. But like you said, you drafted him probably top five, expecting him to put up that kind of pace of you know 90 plus points and as of right now like he's kind of not going to hit the pace that you expect him to hit or at least he's not going to put up the goal totals that you drafted him to to do like he's just not he's not there yet right now but i'd still hold him oh for sure i mean the good news here uh and one that people should remember is that almost no fantasy hockey league is um uh, is played in rotisserie style, right? So, like, McKinnon's total points are actually completely irrelevant. If you can make your playoff and McKinnon gets hot, and he's going to be due to, right? Like, he's too good of a player to not have, like, a nice hot streak that's going to bring him back to where you'd expect. Um, then, you know, you're going to be just fine, right? He's going to get hot at the right time, and you're going to right back to loving Nathan McKinnon. Uh, if he doesn't, though, or you're not making the playoffs because you're, you're you know, your top five pick busted a little bit, 
and, and I mean a little bit. I probably shouldn't even use the term bust here. He didn't he didn't play to expectations is maybe a better way to think of it. He just didn't score as um, many goals as he thought he would. Yeah, that anyone thought he would. There was not a single person out there uh, that that looks at fantasy hockey that looked at McKinnon and said like, yeah, I think he'll be about the thirtieth best player in the league through halfway halfway through. That makes that sounds about right. Right, <laughs> especially I mean, especially given their division that they're in. Like again, no one like Anaheim is. I mean, we don't even have to know. Like they they've been they've been really bad, man. They've been yeah. they've been atrocious here. Uh, San Jose, we know Arizona as well. Arizona's just not generating offense. And they're giving up shots like they're going out of style here. They're they're a very average team. Los Angeles as well. They have not looked good of late. Um, St. Louis is kind of there, but like you look at St. St. Louis has given up goals here. They're giving up a lot of goals. They're putting pucks in the net, which is fun to watch, right? Fun fact: yeah. St. Louis leads that West Division in goals coming into tonight. So, absolutely wild. They also are they're, they're second in that division behind only the Anaheim Ducks and goals again. So they're a fun hockey team to watch. They're going to score goals and they're going to give up a bunch as well. So, I think Colorado is. It's fine in this division because they get to play those teams a whole bunch of times, right? Outside of Minnesota and Vegas, right? Vegas is, you know, they're not giving up goals. Minnesota all of a sudden doesn't give up goals anymore. That's not something they do. They just go out and win games. The rest of the teams in those divisions defensively are not are not great, and they're giving up goals. And again, maybe the LA, you know the LA Kings play a lot of tight hockey here, but. This is a wide-open division as well. People like to talk about the North Division being all fun and games here. This West Division isn't any better here. There, there's not a lot of defense being played because, A, these defenses on these teams are not good, and, B, the offensive part of these teams are absolutely loaded. So, again, McKinnon's going to have his chance here. He's playing with Miko Rantan. Miko Rantan, if you own him, then I mean, you're going crazy here because Dave, uh, you know, uh, not McKinnon keeps giving him the puck. And I think he's got, I mean, he's got over half a season left to correct it. He can have a strong second half. So, again, if somebody is selling him or if you can convince somebody or trade pieces here, whatever needs to get done. If if, if some owner says, hey, I'll listen to the idea of moving Nathan McKinnon off my fantasy hockey team, then you listen and say, okay, what do you want? It just, it makes yeah. a whole bunch of sense, right? Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, uh, if you are that McKinnon owner, please don't be silly. Don't 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 listen. Like, don't don't worry about goals, man. Yeah, like, I mean, I guess I, I would offer you this as a hypothetical. Okay, if I was going to give you, if I'm the McKinnon owner, what do you have to get back in return? If I like, would you do like, would you Marner straight up? For McKinnon, not even, not even. Marner's a Marner's a so Marner is a pass first player, right? He is the, I guess, the supporting cast if you want to yep. say it to uh, Austin Matthews, right? So again, you're in another situation where you know McKinnon in, in, in this case is feeding the puck to Ratman, or he's just moving yeah. it all around. And as much as I think Marner has done well this season, I think he's overperformed just a little bit here. He's and he, good. And right? he does this. Like, Marner seems to do this every year. Like, he's led the NHL in scoring for periods right. of time. 
before like fading back into oblivion. Like he's top five in the league. He's got 39 points coming into tonight. Like that's that's really good. I think he got another one here. So he's got 40 or something. Like that yeah. again, that's that's really, really good here. Shout out to Mitch Barner for earning his money. But I also don't think that he's a player who can have who should have eleven goals on the season. He should not have as many as Patrick King does. And he's he's kind of in that spot where he's like he's scoring goals a little bit because he's playing with Austin Matthews, right? Matthews is 21 goals. All he does is light the league up now. And Marner is traditionally a player that you think of and you say, okay, well, you know, what does he do? And in, in his career, he's been that type of player since the minute he showed up in Ottawa, right? He gets his goals here or there. He's probably a 20-goal scorer in the NHL. And he feeds Austin Matthews a whole bunch, right? In his best season in the league, he had 26 goals, which is pretty good, right? Shot about, you know, Career average, 11%. He had 94 points because he had 68 assists. He fed the puck everywhere. Again, short season last season. He, I mean, shot around his career average area. He had 16 goals. He had 51 assists. In this case, now you're looking at it, he's shooting 14%, which is, now you, you think about it, you say, well, that's not much. That's not a huge difference. But if he maintains that pace, like, he's going to, he could probably, in an 82-game season, score over 30 goals at that pace. And that's yep. not the type of player that he is. Well, look, how about Matthews? Would you trade Matthews for, for McKinnon? Man. I mean, Matthews is hurt right now. Uh, he's really not shooting. He, like That was pretty evident last night. It's pretty evident the night before. Instead of like handling the puck, he's essentially going and sitting in front of the net trying to tip it. Uh, so that does hurt his value. I mean, the players are very similar otherwise. Like, if both are healthy, both are guys that are going to shoot in volume, both typically should score in volume. Uh, we've seen a lot more of it from Matthews so far this year. Right. Uh, I don't think anybody's going to, like, th- that would be a player I'd consider. I don't know why the Matthews owner would want to do it, but unless well, he thinks. You could be concerned. Matthews- yeah. Like, my concern with Matthews right now is that the Leafs didn't take him out of the lineup like you know he's hurt he doesn't want to shoot the puck you're hearing that the wrist is still a problem like why are you not just giving him like a week off you are a lock to make the playoffs uh if you lose like you have enough talent on this team to beat ottawa you don't need like i mean you still lost this game with him in the lineup why like why are you doing that Right, like give him the time off. Why make your right. why make an injury worse? Right. I guess like, it would come down to league settings as well, right? So yeah. if you're in a league where you reward goals more than assists, right? I mean, Matthews is scoring goals. That's what he does as well. Like right. he scores goals. There's, I mean, he's done that his entire career. He has finished with more goals than assists every year since entering the NHL. Yeah. Every year. So he's a goal scorer first, and he's shooting a career sixteen percent. Like that's really really good here for him like he's he's out there he's got more goals than assists in his career and it, and you think of austin matthews as a player who can be a facilitator as well but his his shot is like he's got an not that he has like an nhl shot because obviously he's got one of the better shots in the nhl and i don't think people give him the credit that he deserves for that right like you talk about ovechkin and there's always a conversation between you know matthews and line a. like line a has a great shot but Austin Matthews is right there behind him. Like he's 
really, really good with his shot. When you watch his release, it's quick, it's precise. He doesn't take a lot of time. That puck is on his stick, and when he flexes it to release, it, it's gone. It's gone. You, you have to slow it down frame by frame to be able to see the release at times, which is how he burns so many goalies with his shot. He's not out there clapping bombs here at 102, 103 miles an hour, but he's he's taking those elite wrist shots. He's just burying them in places that goalies can't reach. So, again, would I trade him 1v1 in a fantasy hockey league for, for McKinnon? Probably not, but he might be the only exception here to the rule. Again, with I mean, you, nobody's moving McDavid and Dreisaitl, so you can just forget those. But I think league settings are important here, and, and I think Matthews is in a situation where, I mean, Colorado has a lot of great players, but they don't have what the Leafs yeah. have. The Leafs have an abundance of skill here. It's it's comical at times. Yeah, no doubt. So I, I mean, I, I think that helps uh, would help somebody understand the bar, right? And that's that's kind of... The nice it would have to, it would have to be a player of that caliber, and you'd have to go on a hunch and say, "Hey, like you said, maybe maybe Matthews doesn't maintain this pace for the rest of the season. Maybe something happens to him, right?" But again, do you want to pull a trigger on that kind of speculation? Because if you're wrong, then you're really going the other way here. Now you've traded a player away who you know can probably contend with. Uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl for that top spot, right? He can contend. And I think goal-scoring-wise, nobody is going to outscore him. Austin Matthews, nobody. So you're moving a player who will probably finish uh, tops in the league in goals. So it's definitely a tight bar, but that's that's probably the player you would need somewhere in that that vicinity to get it done. Yeah, I I mean... These are, I mean, these are rankings from like one to ninety-nine. There are underlying numbers that go with them uh, that obviously aren't aren't shared here because they would be silly to offer. But it does help, like, if you're going to build a tier out of it to understand, um, and like the difference between McDavid and Drysital is pretty big, um, like, and then you have like. Partially, I, think I mean, because... McDavid's on a whole other level. We know, that. right? Yeah, like I think it was like sixty total points or something silly like that was like... where the difference was. And then um, when I look at the rest, like the next sets of players down, like then you just continuously like, okay, there's some. It's a little closer. Yeah, it's a little closer again. Um, I'm just gonna put this in front of me here so I can actually not just sound like a buffoon. Um, Shout out to Leon Dreisaitl's voice. Since he's been put on that line with McDavid, he's gone back to scoring goals. What a shock. Yeah, go figure. When you play with... Which, again, is the problem for Edmonton here, right? They have no support for them. And everybody's like, oh, you know, the third line did something. Yeah, the third line did something once every (laughs) 10 games. Good for them. Like, they they came out and they played hockey. Wow. But if it's not McDavid and Dreisaitl leading the pack, like, even... Even Nugent Hopkins in the middle, like he's been okay, right? Like he's yeah. there, but he's not tearing anything up. He, this team goes as far as Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl. Whatever those two do, like fine. The the rest of that team continues to exist, but outside of that top line, when you look at the rest of their, you know, three lines, they're just they're just not good. 
they're yeah yeah i mean they they're gonna have to split them back up again right like there's this yeah there's at no one way point the league's gonna stop them or they're gonna slow them down a little bit and then you gotta start reworking things and say okay well let's you know let's balance things out here let's move yeah you know maybe you move dry back to center you move nugent hopkins back on the wing you i don't know give james neal another shot on the top line because why not you know who knows maybe you move you know Puyarvi to the left side instead um yeah. there's a whole bunch of things here that edmonton can entertain the idea but from a goal scoring standpoint those two will like those two are going to make a career off playing with each other because they're so good and the rest of this team is just so bad yeah um i do have the points in front of me and this is actually really interesting to look at so the top four players so that's uh mcdavid dry settle matthews kane are separated by under 90 points so it's 60 points to get from McDavid to Dreisaitl. Another four points to get down to Matthews and about 17 points to get you to Kane. You look at the fifth best player. So that's Marner. McDavid is over 100 points more valuable. Yeah, yeah he's... He's... 100 points. He's really the best. I mean, he's not... How can I say? He's really, really good. <laughs> like, it's just, he's so much better than everybody else's. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's silly. I mean, other spots of note here. So, like, if you look at the, at the defensive tiers, um, I mean, uh, while you, in some ways, would probably expect this to be Victor Hedman and everybody else. It is actually relatively close. I mean, uh, Hedman's worth about three points more than Jeff Petrie. Uh, Petrie's worth about one point more than Tyson Berry, and uh, Berry's worth about five points more than than Lee, uh, Darnell Nurse. And then Dougie Hamilton is the fifth guy here, and he's about a little uh, about six, eighteen points less there than. Than nurse, so people have been talking really bad about Dougie Hamilton this year. And then, I mean, I was breaking down right the slate today, and I was, you know, he was super expensive on DraftKings. Yeah, like, and why? Like, why is there so much hate? Dougie Hamilton scored tonight, so obviously he corrected that. But I think we're just like he was not that he was above and beyond great last season, right? Because he, I mean, he had he, he was on he got five goal pace last year. He, he was. He was off to an absolute banging start here. Like, he had 14 goals last season, 47 games. He was really good. The plus-minus was there, if you care about the stat. All that fun stuff, right? He was he was good. His shooting percentage was way up there as well. And then you look at him this season. Obviously, the goals are not there. The points are still all right. But again, from a power play, so power play points here, he had 12 total last season. He's got 12 up till now, right? So, I think... I think we kind of get carried away with defensemen and thinking that they are these like 50 point players, which they can be, but in reality, they're probably closer to 40, 40 points here. And for Dougie Hamilton specifically, I mean, for the better part here of, I don't know, five, six, seven years almost, like he's been putting, he's been scoring goals and defensemen who hit double digit goals, there are not a lot of them. Yeah, they're the, the, few and like, far between. Exactly. So I think it, it would have been nice. I think he can still get there, obviously. He's on a really good Carolina team. But 
this this hate that he's been getting a little bit, or at least I feel like he was. Like, he shoots the puck a lot still. I think that's pretty good. Um, he's a defenseman who's gotten over 250 shots in a season here, and he, he did that with two different teams. Just in general, I think for Dougie Hamilton, he's he does a lot of this stuff as well this season that maybe you haven't been accustomed to in recent. So he's, I mean, he shoots the puck a lot too, but he's been blocking shots as well. So he's been kind of filling those categories that you don't necessarily think of Dougie Hamilton doing. And look, again, same thing. If somebody somebody wants to give him away because they think he's not doing well, (laughs) sign me up again. Yeah, Dougie Hamilton is a guy that I, I mean, I pretty consistently come back to in DFS play because he is, he's got a rip because, because of the shots and the blocks, he's got a really nice floor. That's why he's always sitting at that like 6,500 plus range. Um, and he's somebody who has a terrible shooting percentage right now 2.6%. Yeah. That's why he's not scoring. That's why he only has two goals because he's like, last year he would have scored four times more. It went up because he scored one today. Yeah. <laughs> Well, like, think about that. Last year, he scored four times more often. So if he had eight goals right now, you would no, there would be no conversation. We're like, Dougie Hamilton's great. Uh, we probably underdrafted him. And, uh, you know, when can I get myself some more of that Dougie Hamilton? Yeah. Everybody would be like, oh, we should have drafted Dougie Hamilton over, over Roman Yossi. But right. And you should probably should have. Yeah. Actually, in retrospect, that's a real thing. But- you still should have done that. My fantasy team is last, and mistakes were made. So, yeah, I mean, Dougie Hamilton five, okay, Roman Yossi nine, ten. No, no, outside the top ten. Oh, uh, oh, you have him. Okay, a five year in, in the current Yossi's rank. What? Yeah. Oh, in the current rank, he's outside the top third. He's twelfth. Oh. Yossi's at twelve right now. Also Damn. with two goals. Um, I'm but, looking down on Roman Yossi. My apologies to the yeah. Roman Yossi supporters here. Roman Yossi does also shoot a lot with 79. He does. He does. But, like, there's some surprises in here, right? Like, Aaron Neckblad, where'd you come from? Nine goals. Like, he was kind of long since forgotten. It was like, yeah, I remember when Aaron Neckblad was really good in his rookie season? Yep. Well, he's never going to do that. doesn't look like he's ever going to do that again. I mean... He's a guy who's got a really high shooting percentage, like unsustainably high at like 12.7%. Um, he's in the, that Jeff Petrie range, who's at 14.7. And uh, Drew yeah, Doughty, who's in yeah, like at 13.6. Yeah, same thing with Drew Doughty and all those. I, I think just the collection but, of them, even especially for players like, like Darnell Nurse is off to a great start as well. And I mean, he's getting some of that clawed back because he's playing with. Uh, Tyson Berry, who's been—I mean, his job Justin. is to quarterback the top power play unit and do a lot of, and do a lot of things there. I think as well for a defenseman here. I mean, there's a lot of defensemen who got like five and you know some odd goals here. But I mean, back to Jeff Peach. Jeff Peachy scored another beautiful goal here. He's up to eleven. He's really kind of trying to keep that Montreal defense afloat. He's the only puck moving defenseman on that team, with the exception of uh, Romanov who has been promoted here to play with Shane Weber. And I think that's, A, it's about time that that's happened. Um, yeah. He deserves that. He deserves to be there. And it's quite interesting. Again, I mean, we beat this horse dead 
a number of times here, but I mean, Jeff Petrie is your, you know, he leads all defensemen in goals. He's, I think he's second in points and he's on the second power play unit because only in Montreal. Right. Um, so yeah. that kind of, that kind of sets there, but I'm not shocked to kind of see Jeff Petrie have the success that he's having. He's the only, like I said, he's the only puck moving defenseman. There's no other defenseman on that team who moves the puck. And he plays with Joel Edmondson, who's like that pairing has been really, really good for not only offensively, but from a defensive standpoint as well. They they have really good numbers. This is a that their pairing as well. Their Corsi is really, really good. They possess the puck, which is again, if you if if you possess the puck, you don't have to worry about defense, right? You're on the yeah. offense going out here. So when I hear stats like especially for yesterday's game, oh Montreal had a whole bunch of blocked shots. Yeah, that means you do not have the puck. That's the first problem, right? You need to possess the puck in hockey. It's not about, like, I don't care about block shots and all that stuff because that just means your opponent has the shot and you're trying to make sure it doesn't get in your net. Now, I do think that, you know, this is a big, big shoe for Romanoff to fill playing with Shea Weber because you probably want that unit out against the opposing team's top players. And that's, you know, you're asking a lot from Romanoff. But... I mean, he does look good. He skates really well. He's not a small kid either, right? He can throw his weight around and whatnot. Shea Weber's got to be a whole lot better than whatever he's doing here. He's been just a body um, existing. And if he's not scoring power play goals, I mean, really, what is he giving you here? I think the loss of Ben Sherrod also hurts. Um, But I guess it could be a blessing in disguise as well because now you get to see, you know, can does that Sherrod... Weber pairing need to continue to exist even when Sherrod's ready to come back because I don't think it should and I think Romanov's going to have to do everything he can to show you know the organization say hey this is you know this is a pairing that could work and help him develop yeah uh, for sure um so yeah those are just some of the ones that stand out I mean I think if I was to give somebody advice about drafting defensemen moving forward it's like don't like don't pay up like sit back a little bit because i think we've can pretty consistently seen like the top three to five guys change year over year um so like take the guy that was good probably two years ago and get your discount like right now you'd probably be looking at a guy like john carlson avoid the sexy names and like just be like yep uh, i'll go back to john carlson or take a discounted Roman Yossi after those owners were spurned from uh, the previous performance or like a, a Thomas Shabbat who's pretty steady, like plays all the minutes in, in Ottawa. It uh, looks like he's finally down a bit. It's down to just 25 a game, but he's, you know, get you that top power play. He's got 20 points. Um, so shoots the puck a ton. Uh, it's those types of guys. Cause to some extent, defensemen are voodoo as well. The age curve is bizarre. We see it kind of fall over the place. So, uh, and they get hurt a lot because of blocking shots and and doing stuff like that. So, like, well, Victor Hedman is number one today, uh, and has been nothing short of easily the best defenseman in the league, uh, and I'm easily among probably the top five, six players in the league. He is somebody who typically misses some time because he ends up with you know, some injuries and stuff like that. So uh, moving forward a little bit, uh, getting into next week, uh, sticking with the trend here. So top five teams for scoring in the last two weeks, uh, Tampa, Florida, 
Um, I mean, those are two separate, not naming the single location of Tampa Bay, Florida. Uh, so we'll say the Lightning, the Panthers, the Golden Knights, the Hurricanes, and the Penguins. Not a lot of, nothing there that really stands out. Uh, Panthers are starting to score. Uh, Penguins are starting to score. Uh, Would have been nice but, if Penguins could have scored more goals against Buffalo on Saturday, but that didn't happen. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, they seem to score goals, but just not, like, they're just consistently hitting, like, three or four. You're not getting that, like, six night out of them. Uh, and then the bottom five, I think, are unarguably the worst five teams in the league. Detroit, Ottawa, Anaheim, Nashville, and Buffalo. Is there a worse group of five teams in the league? San I guess you could... Well, I mean, it's San Jose played Anaheim, right? Yeah, so fair enough. That I mean, that helps them get out of there, right? When Devin Dubnik's getting a shout-out, you know oh, things God. are going poor, right? Somebody threw that back at me somewhere today. See, Devin Dubnik's fine. I said, okay, stop here. Literally, one this game is... is a small sample size. Let's get away from uh, that. I mean, I'll take the claim. Like, I'll I'll, I'll take ownership on that shout-out. Uh, I was on the, the SiriusXM show on Friday uh, and said I would... I would rather play uh, Rogi Vishon uh, today instead of Devin Dubnik. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, look, then, I played I played John Gibson that night. Yeah, that, that didn't work out. I mean, I got lit. I got yeah. lit up. So, I mean, everything went wrong that night. But my, I mean, my goalie being bad is not new. But like, there was it was there's Anaheim just giving up goals here. Anaheim yeah. giving up goals to everybody. He used to be able to get away with John Gibson putting up a strong performance and then, you know, kind of having the rest of the team, you know, kind of give up three goals but face 38 shots, right? And you're like, okay, well, you know, there's nothing you can really do. It's John Gibson here. But Anaheim has just been really bad defensively. Their lineup doesn't look good either. Detroit giving up goals, like I said, is normal. Ottawa had to play Edmonton, so that's unfortunate. Uh, Anaheim just bad, right? They, you shouldn't be giving up so many goals to San Jose. San Jose can score goals, but not at that clip. Uh, Nashville again missing the whole team and Buffalo. Yeah, we yeah we, we talked no, about Buffalo. Yeah, no shock here, right? Again, looking at these players, not one of them am I sitting here going, oh, I'm surprised to see them in the bottom five here. No, that's exactly <laughs> where they belong in the bottom five, and you could almost copy paste this and just put them every week and say, okay, well. You know, stacking against these teams, these seem to be the right choices. Well, it, it's the one thing I'm finding uh, is that, like, you do see a huge amount of consistency from guys like uh, from McDavid, from especially, right? You figure, like, Friday night McDavid was uh, in the slates I played was over 50% owned in GPPs. Uh, which is I've crazy. stopped playing slates where I see Ottawa and Edmonton on them because I just like if you're not playing McDavid, <laughs> you just don't like money. Even if you do play McDavid, I didn't play Dreisaitl. Yeah, I so. played them both. Uh, I, no, I didn't. Sorry, I meant to play both. I ended up because uh, I had played McDavid McKinnon. I don't know if I'd ever played <coughs> that combination before. Uh, it didn't work out. Surprise, surprise. Uh, I mean, they both had points, but not enough to make up for, like, two-thirds of my salary. Um, but that's just kind of where it is, right? It's like, unless you're just going to straight guess, right? There's no, like, direct lead that would have taken you. Like, I knew the Vegas-St. Louis game would have goals, right? And it did. Nine total in that game. Um, but the problem is, is you, there's, if 
one person doesn't contribute like four of those, it didn't matter, right? Gets spread around, and then you're left going, well, didn't get the right guys on this one. So uh, I do really encourage people to take a look at, like, look at teams that win, especially on nights where you lose, and say, like, was that a... Did anyone, could have anyone with any amount of education put that together? Or was it sheer luck? Um, You'll see a lot that are sheer luck where it's somebody just like, oh, here's a bunch of guys. Like, the top ones hit. Right, you got to hit on your chalk play and your chalk plays, and then you got to nail that. Or when the chalk hits, either you got to be on it or you got to be off. That's what what a lot of people try to figure out is trying to see, well, is the chalk worth it? And to me, McDavid is just always with it. You have to keep. He played 26 minutes against Vancouver, right? Like they lost against Vancouver, but he played 26 minutes. He's in the last five games, he's played over. 23 minutes in four of those five games, right? The one exception coming against Ottawa the second time they played, and he had three points that night anyway. So, I mean, who really cares, right? And he only had 17 shifts. That's the thing with McDavid. You look at the shift count here. He played 17 shifts on the 10th of March, right? Two nights later against Ottawa, he plays 18. He plays 19 shifts against Vancouver here. So it goes up by one. His ice time, though, goes up by three minutes per game each. So, <laughs> this is like really long shifts. I mean, you leave McDavid on the ice as long as you want. And I think to the credit here of what I try to, like, I don't, again, bring this back to the Montreal Canes. I don't understand how they don't figure this out. Like, give your best players the, the, the most profitable ice time that is to them, which is the power play. Right. Let these players run wild on the power play. Don't have a second unit is just there because your first unit didn't figure it out in the first 90 seconds. Yeah. That's they it. got tired. That's <laughs> it. They literally ran out of gas. Like, it's not physically exhausting. Trust me. I know this. It's not physically exhausting to play the power play. It's easy minutes. You're not skating around crazy, you know, throwing your weight around. What You're just moving the puck on the perimeter most of the time or you're trying to find space. It's taxing for the team that's short one player because they got to move. And especially if you play a defense, it's got a high pressure, right? High pressure penalty kill. You're pressuring the puck, you know, the puck sitter. It's it, it's going to get taxing. But I can't imagine players playing on the, you know, power play, coming back to the bench, being absolutely gassed. I can't. Yeah. I don't see it. I'm not. I'm not. I'm never gassed. And I can't <laughs> think of any other league when I'm looking at these top players, or at least – Maybe Ovechkin is just in the best shape of any other player. But again, I think McDavid's in a pretty good game shape. So I'm going to, you know, these players are not different here. And Ovechkin plays as much power play time as anybody else does. And I think for this case, it's the same thing for Dreisaitl. McDavid, just leave them out there. They're playing 26 minutes. That game didn't go to overtime. Like, that's a, <laughs> that's a lot of time. Half that's your top defenseman minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he's playing more minutes than certain defensemen do. And, like, there's only six of them. There's six defensemen to choose from here, right? There's 12 forwards. Yeah, double. And McDavid's just on the uh, McDavid's just on the ice all the time here. He's averaging over 22 minutes a game, right? Which is on par with, again, what Austin Matthews does, which is what makes these two players so, you know, intriguing to watch. But forwards will get... I mean, 17, 18 minutes. And then you got your elite players who were kind of seeing the 19, 20 minutes. And then you got these these three. You got Dreisaitl, McDavid, and Matthews who are just on the ice all the time. 
just do you just need them on the ice all the time because why not right why wouldn't you have those two on the ice right so like 26 minutes i i look back at it this morning because i like to go back sometimes to see what other players did and i was like man that's that's a lot that's a <laughs> lot of ice time that is like that's a crazy amount of ice time for these two to be playing so uh, we'll, we'll end it here. Okay, I'll, I'll leave this with one question. So Wednesday, it's Edmonton's first uh, first game this week. So this is what's on the slate. So we got Edmonton at Calgary. We got San Jose at Vegas. We've got Vancouver at Ottawa. We've got the we don't know how to stop the puck anymore Philadelphia Flyers at the New York Rangers. Are you playing the chalk? In Edmonton? Or are you avoiding the chalk in Edmonton? Edmonton's playing in Calgary? Yep, in Calgary. I can forget the chalk. I mean, Calgary's played well of late, but they've also played the Montreal Canadiens, so that doesn't count. But I think the coaching change was good here. The Calgary Flames just, like, they were just manhandling the Montreal Canadiens from every single aspect on Saturday night. They were dumping, like, they're dumping and chasing the puck, right, which is kind of boring hockey. But they get in there, they retrieve the puck, they cycle it around. They are playing, and it, I, I hate the term, but they're playing hard-nosed hockey. It's yeah. really tough to play the Calgary Flames. And I think they have just enough to at least keep McDavid and Dreisaitl at bay. Does that mean they stay off the score sheet? Probably not. But are they going to hit, you know, these crazy three-point night or four-point nights? I don't think. Not against Calgary. Calgary seems to be playing a, a, a whole lot different here. They, they look really really good here oh and the other game st louis and, and la uh which i think is also a place you can look for 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 some goals here vegas uh, place san jose oh yeah in vegas oh, okay so i'll just uh, I'll, I'll i'll just pencil patcheretti in on that night and then i'll yeah about whatever else i gotta do here yeah you can start with probably just go stevenson patcheretti and figure the rest out after that that is my favorite like dfs pairing just because stevenson's always so cheap like 44th out like all right yeah they weigh each other out i still got room for for other players i can probably get a panarin in or uh somebody of that ilk you get another six thousand seven thousand dollar player in at that cost it's always the question about max patch ready going like is it worth paying up for him and you're like man do we really yeah. have to do this? especially on draftings I, I know a lot of people hate the bonuses i'm not I one of those it, people man. i love it yeah i i mean it's at this point, it separates a whole bunch of other players. Some people are like, oh, you don't need it. I want players to be rewarded for doing what we want them to do in hockey, which is shooting yeah. shooting pots, right? I understand for defensemen, sometimes people are like, oh, well, you know, it's blocking shots. Yeah, I know. But if you get it, you know, it adds value to a defenseman block shots. So, I'll, you know, well, I'll take it in that and, point. And the block shot bonus isn't as common maybe as people think it is. Like, No, it, but when we go back and look. come close, though, I think Dougie Hamilton came close a couple nights ago. I think he had, like, what was it like three blocks and four shots on goal? Like he came close to hitting the double bonus yeah. here, which is, I mean, that's value and a half if you can get it. But <laughs> like in general though, like I, I love playing Max Pacioretty because again, he's, he, he's, he's a lock to do those kind of things. He's a lock to get, he has, he has 110 shots this season. Okay. 110. Jonathan Marsh or so is second. He's got 68. Yeah. They have the same shooting percentage, which is very nice, but like, Shea Theodore comes in third, by the way. That's, I mean, Shea Theodore doing his work here. But again, like Max Pacioretty, all he does is shoot the puck on goal. Why would I not want that player 
on my DFS team who like right. he went a stretch of games here, a stretch. So from February 27th until March 8th, hitting the shot bonus on DraftKings consistent every every night. Every night. Had a minimum of five. He slowed down a little bit here. But again, Minnesota's a tough team to play against here. He didn't hit the shot bonuses in both games against St. Louis, but he had four points. So hey, I'll take it. You know? Yeah. Play Max yep. Pacioretty and NHL DFS on DraftKings and stop asking why. <laughs> yeah, stop looking at the price. Stop wondering, like, well, I don't know. Is he really worth this price? Is, is yeah. this the guy? It's like, just, just do it. Just just do it. Uh, and for context here, uh, let me pull up the games here against San Jose. Uh, yeah, he, he, I read that. He, so last game on the 6th of March, right, he had two points, five shots on goal. Yep. Shock here. Two goals, one assist, three points the night before that. Another five shots on goal here. So, I mean, we know what's going to happen here. Let's go farther back. He had one off game on the 13th. That's fine. That's it. That's you the know. only one with That's, no points, three I shots. Mean, yeah, it looked in, in three games, they, he's, he's been pretty good here. So, again, you know, Max Pacioretty is a streak player, right? He he goes on these hot streaks. He goes on these dips. You know, at one point in the middle there, he had a couple of games where he wasn't hitting the bonuses, right? From February 7th all the way until the 16th. You know, the points weren't there. The shots weren't there. And you're like, all right, maybe. But he's, he's this type of player, right? From watching him play in Montreal, he's a streak player. He gets hot and he starts firing everything at the net. Pucks start going in. He starts getting points. And again, we can't expect him to be near perfect every night. That's McDavid's job. That's what Connor McDavid. That's why we pay nine K for Connor <laughs> McDavid, right? Max Pacioretty gets a little bit of, uh, you know, he's allowed to not be as good certain nights. But genuine, generally, he he hits value, which is what you're looking for, right? Which is what I tell people on a lot of times. When you build your lineups, you're looking for value. Does a player need to hit the score sheet to get value? Not necessarily Sometimes. all the time, right? If you're playing a min price player and he gets one point, hey, he hit value. That's all you're looking for here. How much value can I extract out of a player? And more often than not, Max Pacioretty can get close to that value. If you get close to value on DraftKings without registering a point, man, you, you like you're the definition of what a cash game play is. Then, yeah, and, and I mean, also like put this in context, right? Pacioretty has three points or more in uh, one, two, three, four, five games this year. That's one-fifth of all of the games he's played. He's got you three points, hmm. right? That's not, we haven't talked about the shots yet, right? You hit the, like, you hit the three-point bonus. He's got, a, he's a threat to give you the shot bonus, right? So, like, when he scores in bunches, you are getting big points. Typically, so when, the two coincide. Like you're gonna be like, "Oh, I got 40 points from Pacioretty tonight." Well, he went off. You're like, so that's, in that's those games where he's thing. had three points, right? Yep. He has not hit the shot bonus in only one of them. That right. game was against St. Louis. Eight. Well, seven, on Saturday. Eight. Yeah. So the, the one game where he doesn't hit the shot bonus. Is the most recent game prior to that he hit the shot bonus in every single one of those games where he had three points. So think about like just think about the value at that point. Like he's exceeding value. He can almost double it when you have three points and eight shots on goal. Like just like don't even stop. 
Like you're just you're you're we're we're talking about the like close to the thirty five fantasy points on DraftKings, probably forty. You're, oh, yeah, you're, you're in the forty range. Yeah, like you're like that's an insane amount of points for one player to have, right? If you get hundred and twenty points in a cash game, you you're probably cashing. You're oh, one in a GPP, you're gonna cash. Right, depending on how high the chalk is, right? Right. But I mean in I a wanna... cash game at hundred and twenty points. Yeah, like you should expect to hit money, and Max Pacioretty is doing thirty-three percent of that work for you. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's wild. Uh, I just got to bring this up because I know I played him, but uh, yeah, I want to say like I finished a like a top five that the night that he had the hat trick uh, with the eight shots. Uh, I was just seeing if I could actually pull up like. Uh, the actual that was January 26th, by the way, against St. Louis. I know this because I took down the one dollar single entry GPP on DraftKings because <laughs> I had the entire line because the, the entire line did things that yeah. night against St. Louis. I don't, I don't uh, think who started, I think it was like Billy Husser or something. I don't know, I don't even know if it was Bennington who started, or maybe I just thought it was, it was probably Bennington. Uh, I'm gonna pull up the actual, it could be, yeah, it was I, Bennington, Bennington just, still made 42 saves. In that good, game, good for Jordan Bennington for at least showing up. But uh, yeah, it was Patrick. had three. Um, you got nothing out of Chandler Stevenson. If you played Mark Stone, you got like the three assists, which is yeah. why you play people on the same line. It's called correlation. It matters. Which you can correlate winger to winger, by the way. It's, it yeah. doesn't have to be center and winger. A lot of people yep. sometimes are like, oh, but you have two wingers. Yeah. It's fine. Single, you know, single bullet your center, right? You're Austin Matthews. You don't need the supporting cast. And then you can, you know, winger, winger, stack, and that's fine. You know, yeah, how many, works. I mean, how many times does, you know, could we go with Matt Zuccarello and Kirill Kaprasov and just forget whoever's in the middle? A couple nights ago was Victor Rask. I was like, I don't want to do that. And then before that, it was Nick Bukestad. I was like, well, I definitely don't want to do that. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, uh, I like, I feel like when I have a lot of success in GPPs, it's when I like when Vegas hits because that seems to be what happens for me. Like I think I finished second last week uh, with like Stone Pacioretty. Um That just seems to be where it goes. And it was a Pacioretty uh, again. Pacioretty Stone. Uh, I hate Stone in cash games because he doesn't shoot. Right, he, he, he has no floor. So like never play Stone in cash games. Uh, but like that's understanding the difference between the games, right? Like look at the players, how much do they shoot? If they don't shoot, you have to you can't take zero in a cash game. You just can't. You don't want to take a zero in any game. You can't. But you like, can't the, take close to a zero like playing Brian Rust against Buffalo when he's on the top line. You can't <laughs> you just can't take those yeah, those 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 zeros. Cause then you look up and you're like, is he alive? Like when, when, yeah, when there's, there's just six minutes left in the third period and your player still has a zero, you're like, man, did he like did something happen? Did he get hurt? And then you check and you're like, nope, he's played 18 minutes of ice time. He's he's just dead. <laughs> yeah, finished. Uh, yeah, the yeah yesterday, almost 20 minutes of ice time, not a single shot. Got a block though. That's yes. What you yeah. a block. Oh, Brian, I'm telling you, I was so excited when I saw Buffalo. I was like, yes, this is it. Pittsburgh is going to do stuff. Here they come. I mean, Chris Letang got there. 
good for him, but I mean, the rest of that, I mean, Crosby got his empty netter, so he came backdoor value there, but I was just expecting so much more from Pittsburgh, and they they didn't do it. Yeah. Well, we better close this thing out. Uh, we're approaching the hour and a half mark. Uh, so, you know, if, you, if I'm not if back next when week. You're talking bad things about Buffalo, right? Yeah. If I'm not back next week, you'll know that John figured out where I live. <laughs> so uh, have a great week, everybody. And uh, we'll find you in the chat. See you next week.